This July 4th, from Angel Studios, the force behind his only son and the chosen, comes an extraordinary true story of courage and redemption. Starring Jim Caviezel, the actor renowned for his unforgettable portrayal of Jesus in The Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the breathtaking true events of a dangerous mission to save young innocent lives. Sound of Freedom. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Go to angel.com slash freedom for tickets. Only in theaters July 4th. Did you know color is vital to your health? I'm not talking about the color of the walls in your house or your car or your clothes. I'm talking about the color of the food you eat. A colorful diet is a part of staying well because many nutrients are color. The antioxidant lycopene is the red pigment in tomatoes and pink grapefruit. Chlorophyll is excellent for balancing pH and cleansing the body. It's the green in kale, spinach, and broccoli. Resveratrol decreases inflammation, and it's the purple in grapes and berries. Eating a wide variety of fruits and vegetables provides your body with diverse chemistry it needs to heal itself and stay well. Eat the peelings of things like apples and carrots and cucumbers. Balance of Nature is whole produce. It contains all the vital parts in balance. Color, taste, and smell keep you well. And that's what you get with Balance of Nature. Start now by going to balanceofnature.com and don't forget to use discount code KMC. Hello, I'm Mike Vendell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night, and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. That's why I invented MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece house sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers. And get deep discounts on all my pillow products. That's MyPillow.com promo code. KMC. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. Breaking news as it happens, what it means, and why it matters. Uh, Kevin McCullough, and here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Obliterating confusion. Amplifying truth. And pursuing clarity. Coming up on the Friday edition of KMC, we've got a big show for you. Governor Mike Huckabee here, of course, will break down the latest on the Biden scandals. Then an FBI agent tells her personal story from 9-11 to retirement, all within the agency.
All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us and always enjoy checking in on Friday with my good friend, Governor Mike Huckabee, who has been uh, somewhat of a regular feature on this show in some way or fashion or another since he was running for president about 150 years ago. So uh, we're, we're grateful for these Friday visits. And, Governor, it's been quite a week um, between former Speaker Newt Gingrich breaking the news yesterday that someone from the administration called Fannie Willis on Sunday night and said she had to indict on Monday because the Biden stuff was getting so out of control and so embarrassing in Washington. Uh, and, and of course that, that time frame now works. That explains why the indictment was so late and it got leaked online ahead of time and everything else. Um, that seems to be quite a, a bit of a mess, but what were they trying to cover up? Um, what is this, what is this pseudonym story? Who, who was the president pretending to be and who was he talking to when he was pretending to be that person? I think this is one of the strangest things we've had in a long time. Keep in mind, this was when he was the vice president of the United States. So emails that are generated by a public official are required to be kept and archived, just like any other document. Unless your name's Hillary Clinton, and then you can lose 30,000 of them and nothing yeah, happens. Forget it. Yeah, forget it. Or if you're Mitt Romney, a.k.a. Pierre <laughs> Delecky. But to, to be clear, you can use this, uh, you know, some kind of pseudonym if you're talking about a Twitter account or a Facebook, something that is unofficial and it's your own opinion or something like that. But if it deals with your duties in the White House, and it has to do with anything that you're doing either in that office or for that office or by that office, then it has to be archived. You you can't just make it up or hide it somewhere. And that's apparently what Joe was doing. He was hiding uh, some of his communications with his son over his business deals. So Robert L. Peters is actually Joe Biden. Here's the problem with that. It, it, first of all, absolutely blows this nonsense that Joe Biden has said repeatedly and lied about, whether in the debate or since then. I never talked to my son about business. I've never had a conversation. I knew nothing about my son. Oh, but son's they changed business. it, Governor. They changed, they, or they tried to on the slide. They tried to say he was never officially in business with him now. But it doesn't work because Correct. the words, and so. Words mean Korean, things. And brought out to the podium and all day long uh, make up stuff, but it doesn't change what the record shows. You know, the Internet is forever. I mean, that's the one great thing about the Internet. It used to be that, well, they misprinted it. It's in a library somewhere, but it may not have been accurately transcribed. This is his voice, his image. He said it. It's over. Right. He lied. And that's what we have. Now, why did he use a pseudonym? What was he trying to hide? Because if all of this is on the up and up, you just say, by gosh, I'm Joe Biden. I'm the vice president and I'm talking to my son and there's nothing wrong here. Let the world see it. But when you try to hide it and take it out of the sunshine, something smells bad about that. And I'm uh, very excited. James Comer, uh, you know, is taking no prisoners on this. He, he's absolutely uh, dog in this thing to, to, to source. Well, he and Jim Jordan have earned their pay since the last election big time. Um, and for what it's worth, Kevin McCarthy appears to be supporting him, them both with uh, whatever they need and, and public cover for them 
on statements that I mean, I've the speaker is redefining the role in my mind in some ways with the amount of communication he's having with the press because he's talking to people constantly and he's putting things on his Instagram and Twitter and other places where people can see it and he's calling people to the facts, which is something Washington's not used to. But back to Comer for a second, it appears that the Romanian angle on the corruption of the Bidens, there were 17 payments made from the Romanian officials. And it appears that 16 of those got made while he was sitting as vice president. Governor, how is that different than Bill Clinton, no controlling authority and pay for play from China with for he and Gore? I mean, isn't this the exact same process that you're buying you know, public influence by people that weren't not formally in the position that's lobbyists, but the guy that's there in the moment, isn't that against the law? It, it absolutely is. This is influence peddling. It violates not just the FARA act that they went after, uh, uh, Paul, um, Manafort over, but this is really a, a much bigger violation because it's saying I'm using my public office for personal gain. And it's not something you are allowed under the law to do. This is, you know, we heard quid pro quo all the time during the Trump impeachment. But this really is quid pro quo. This for that. Influence for money. And I don't know how the press continues to sort of pretend this isn't a big deal. There will come a point at which they can no longer ignore it. And Kevin, I still believe there's going to be a point at which there are going to be a handful, maybe not a lot, but there will be some Democrats who no longer uh, can abide by this. And they will have to come out and speak out and say, you know what? My president's a crook. As simple as that. Well, that's what happened in the 70s with Nixon. And when Republicans broke with him and they said, we can't defend him anymore and we won't defend him. It was over for Nixon. And I, I foresee that coming. And that's why I continue to say. McCarthy is doing right by launching the impeachment inquiry. It would be premature to actually take the impeachment to the House, because if that happens before there is this consensus, it dies in the Senate in less than five minutes. Right. And then by go out and tell everybody he's been exonerated. Yeah. No, you've got to you've got to be methodical. But man, is James Comer impressing me on the the um, very uh, compartmentalized way he is dealing with uh, each of these issues as they come before him. And they say now, uh, Governor, that the that the money that they've attached to receipts that have come to the Bidens may be in excess of 20 upwards of 50 million dollars. I mean, who, you know, who got that rich being vice president ever? Uh, Joe Biden. Yeah. I mean, this this is real money here. You know, the old Everett Dirksen statement, a million here. I think he said a billion here and a billion there. The next thing you know, we're talking real money. Well, for someone who for 50 years made somewhere south of $180,000 as a U.S. senator uh, to get this kind of money, uh, tens of millions of dollars, th- this isn't minor. And you wave that kind of money in front of somebody, and I'm telling you, they'll dance and ride the pony, and uh, you know, and sell out their it. country to do it. And that's what's going on. Yeah. All right, Governor. Thank you for your insights on all of that. Big show for you this weekend, I'm sure, as, as normal. What's on it? 
Well, we just happen to have James Comer on this week. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a blockbuster interview because I can't wait to dig into some of this stuff because it keeps happening to the hour. But he's going to be our uh, main focus of a guest. Uh, the country band Ricochet will be doing music. Nice. And uh, I think it's going to be fun. But James Comer being on will be the key this weekend. Yeah. Well, Governor, I, I have failed to do this yet, but I am officially in uh, sending an invitation to you uh, here over the air. You need to do my weekend television show at some point as well, because it slices right in between your 8 and 11 release. And so if people wanted four hours of Huckabee on a particular weekend, they could get it. Uh, but we've got to get you on my show to do that. Uh, thank you, as always, for being here. Thank you. Good to talk to you. you Kevin. Have it. a great There he goes. Governor Mike Huckabee. Kevin McCullough coming right back. We've got a big show. Don't go away. Are you or a loved one battling cancer? Discover Oasis of Hope, an alternative treatment hospital where faith and medicine combine for effective healing. Listen to this testimonial from Michelle Tucker, a cancer victor. The third time I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it had spread to my pancreas, and my doctor had given me four weeks to live. I went to Oasis of Hope, and six years later, I am alive and well. Michelle's story is replicated hundreds of times over, including in the McCullough household. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I thoroughly endorse the Oasis of Hope, and I think you'll find the help that you're looking for. Call 888-500-4673 for a medical consultation and free magazine. Call 888-500-4673. That's 888-500-4673. Oasis of Hope does not guarantee specific outcomes or results. I was a child when I was abducted by the Arabs. My parents used to own livestock and my mother would do all the cooking for us. I don't remember the year that I was captured. There had never been any problems in our village. Then one day, all of a sudden, we heard that there were Arabs attacking Dinka villages throughout the south. We were so worried we could not even sleep at night. It was a big concern to my mother and my father. We were told that these Arabs were heavily armed and would kill all the animals and people when they would attack. We were very scared. Then one morning, they attacked our village. We scattered in different directions and I ran, but I was captured. My entire village was burned down, and I've never seen a member of my family since. Then I was taken north, into slavery. My eyes saw horrific things on that trip to the north. Women were raped, right in front of us. Men were beaten and four men were killed because they tried to fight back. They were shot dead before our eyes. Once at the slave master's house, I was pretty much starved and worked brutal hours every single day doing difficult and very, very hard work. There was no relief. And then they raped me. My slave master did not think of me as a human. He would not even let me go to the hospital when I fell sick. And one day I heard that there was a slave retriever from CSI close by. How I wanted to be free. That retriever secured my freedom. And thank God I was able to return to South Sudan. Thank you to each of you who helped the slaves be free. But please don't stop. 
until we get them all. And may I just add that we are so thankful that you have been part of the team that has helped us liberate more than 45 slaves this year already. Of the 192 that are on the list, 45 of them uh, have been liberated, and we have more that we are about to embark upon to do. You may know the violence in, in Sudan is very dangerous right now, and yet our slave liberators are more committed than ever to getting them out. Uh, to get them to safety and to get them to uh, be reunited with their family. If you'd like to help us, here's the number, 888-342-1010, or go to bringherhome.org for all the details. Bringherhome.org, bringherhome.org. Help us put an end to slavery in this lifetime, 888-342-1010. Hi, Kevin McCullough. You know, we always talk about how to keep your immune system on the healthy. Uh, It's your most important defense against most of the uh, wellness maladies that are out there right now. And when you talk about the little ingredients that help you the most, vitamin B12, vitamin C, vitamin D, and some zinc, you can get all of that in one place. An all-natural supply of BC Boost will help your body boost your antioxidants and fight those diseases. Uh, antioxidants like vitamin C, which helps strengthen your body's natural defense mechanisms. Uh, powerful antioxidants help harmful free ra- uh, neutralize harmful free radicals and help fight infections and oxidate stress and support a healthy immune system all the way around. Stay protected by getting your own BC Boost with BC Boost. Go to bcboost.com. That's bcboost.com. bcboost.com. Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is someone that I did not know the story of until I just ran across uh, her on another media outlet this week. And I've got to tell you, I am really thankful that she's with us uh, to be able to discuss all of this because she was very uh, pure in her motives in terms of why she joined one of the most important law enforcement agencies uh, that has ever been uh, created. And yet, if it does not get its act together, there are a lot of Americans that are very concerned about what the future of the Federal Bureau of Investigation will actually lead to. So would you put your hands together and please welcome Nicole Parker. Hello, Nicole. Hi, how are you? Good. Kevin McCullough, nice to meet you in person uh, for the first time. I was taken by your biography. You joined the FBI after being very successful in the world of finance. Why? Um, September 11th of 2001 is a day that we all remember. And for me, it changed my entire life. I was very young at the time and I was working for Merrill Lynch. I was actually working for the chairman of Merrill Lynch International. Um, I was working in the World Financial Center, uh, directly adjacent to the World Trade Center. Um, So I was right there. I was in Tower One, uh, one hour before the first plane hit and I was actually in the World Financial Center when the first plane hit the North Tower. And that is a day that changed my life. I mean, everyone witnessed it on television, but to be there firsthand, I'm, I'm originally from Texas. I'm not even from New York. And the chances that I'm, I'm a Fort Worth I'm kid Houston. myself. Okay. Okay. I'm a, I'm a Texan from Houston. There you go. So, um, but you know, I was in New York City and I just had a very powerful feeling in my heart that day um, when I watched 
that catastrophe unfold right before my eyes. And they were officers from the New York Police Department that were actually the ones that were like, get away from the towers, right? Because we eventually made it out of our building. After the second plane hit, I knew that this was not um, a coincidence or an accident. Um, I knew that we were under attack. I was very young. I was far from my family. Uh, my boss was actually in Japan that day, and I was just following what everybody else was doing. And I was absolutely terrified. Um, the curiosity in you, you're standing right below the towers because you, you're just so curious, but yet you know this is not right. We're in danger, and I need to get away. And it was actually the officers from the New York Police Department that continued to say, get away from the towers. Everyone needs to get away, move away from the towers. And I will never forget having so much fear in my heart, but looking towards that law enforcement authority to give me a feeling of comfort, like I was going to be okay and I could get to safety. And I will never forget that. Hmm. And when I saw the sacrifice that was made by so many that day, firefighters, police officers, all those that you know lost their lives, I knew in my heart that one day I wanted to do something to get back and serve this country. I wasn't exactly sure what it was. I didn't make an immediate decision to leave finance. In fact, at the time, my father said, you need to stay right there in New York City, because if you leave and come back to Texas, no one's going to understand what you went through. They're probably going to think you're crazy. You need to heal around those that have been through the same trauma that you did. That's why that was probably some of the best advice I could have gotten. Yeah. So I did. I stayed in finance for several years thereafter. And there was just something in my heart that kept saying, you know, I just don't feel fulfilled. I ended up leaving, um, you know, the, the banking side. I went to a hedge fund and, you know, I was doing well. But you know what? There was something in my heart that knew God had protected me that day. And I wanted to give back and serve this great nation. And I love the United States of America. And I looked around and I thought, where can I serve? And it was actually someone from Wall Street that said, you know what? You should consider joining the FBI. And I thought, that's just so I would have never thought to do that. But I actually knew an agent. I spoke to him and I did. I uh went on to fbi.gov and I just went through the normal application process, just like everybody else. And I was in the academy uh, within about seven months from the date that I took my phase one test for the FBI. They gave me academy date and I was off to Quantico. So how long until you were in the field as a field agent for the Bureau from 9-11? Um, I started in 2010. Okay. So it was about nine years total. That's quite a journey. And yeah. so from 2010 until just recently, you've been a field special field agent for the FBI. And you recently made the decision to um, leave. I want to get to that in, in a little bit. But let's talk about the types of things that you did at the agency and why you found it to be fulfilling and meaningful. Okay. So I, again, I started at Quantico, as we all do when you're an FBI agent. Um, you're assigned a division. I was assigned the Miami division of all places. I thought I would go back to New York or go somewhere, uh, you know, maybe in Texas, but it was Miami. Um, I got to the Miami field office. I was assigned to work white collar, which naturally made sense, right? I had a Wall Street background, a finance background. So they put me into the white collar world. And I did. I worked Ponzi schemes, you know, uh, pump and dumps, you know, all sorts of financial crimes. And it was good. I mean, I, I, I worked some really large cases, you know, $300 million Ponzi schemes, um, you know, very high profile cases. But it was when I made the decision to transfer over into the violent crime squad. Um, you know, I was in white collar for four years. And then uh, there was an opening on the violent crime squad. And I made that decision. And I was selected to move over to the violent crime squad. 
Then I worked violent crime for the bulk of my career. For the rest of my career, I was working violent crime in one capacity or another. Um, violent crime meaning, you know, what you see on t television, homicides, extortions, murder for hires, um, threats. Uh, I worked crimes on the high seas. I was the crimes on the high seas coordinator for the Miami wow. division, working all the cruise ship crimes, um, which entailed sexual assault, sexual assaults of minors. I worked human trafficking. I worked in, then I moved over to the crimes against children area, recruiting sources of human trafficking, sex trafficking, labor trafficking for adults and for minors. Wow. Um, you know, these child porno pornographic images, things like that. Those were the types of things I was working at the very tail end of my career. But the bulk of my career was working violent crime. So I've talked to other agents and there's always been this kind of um, feeling that I get from them that when they join the agency, that there's a real esprit de corps, that there's a, you're serving a noble cause and you're, and you're serving in a noble way. And I know that for many, many years, there has been an emphasis on the character and the uh, integrity of an agent's uh, reputation and who they are and so forth. The, the need to not be able to be blackmailed and other things is very important in the, in the line of work that they are in. Some people seem to indicate that, that around 9-11, that began to change when it became more of an intelligence operation than an investigative operation or a law enforcement operation. And I'm curious to what degree, since you joined after 9-11, you sensed the kind of honor and the uh, decorum of integrity being kind of torn down for the sneaky and the underhanded and the the we have to spy on people to find out what's going on to keep people safe kind of thing. Right. So I think it's important to make that differentiation. Right. Um, I think that I was a criminal agent. Right. There's different divisions within the FBI. There's right. the criminal side of the house. There's the counter um, the counterintelligence, the counterterrorism. There's different areas and units. I specified my emphasis on um, criminal, right? So I was working active shooters, the Parkland school shooting. I had to do death notifications for that, the mm -hmm. Fort Lauderdale airport shooting. So the FBI really is segmented into different areas. I myself was focusing on the violent crime and I did come in post 9-11. So I wouldn't have known the difference before or after 9-11, how it changed. But I can tell you, even in the time since I joined in 2010, there was a definite shift shift from it being more of a criminal emphasis into an intelligence emphasis, where um, intelligence analysts started going to Quantico with agents, and they were actually in the same class for a portion of their training, which was not the case when I joined the FBI. I was an agent training class, and that was it. Now it's like there's such an overlap, and there is a very strong emphasis on intelligence. Nicole Parker, former special field agent for the FBI, is my guest. Uh, we're coming right back. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I'm older and I have more energy, just like all the commercials that I see on TV. So it really is a help uh, to my well-being. I'm 80 years old. I clean up after 450 kids in a cafeteria for three hours. And then I clean 300 steps. And then I, I vacuum carpets and clean halls in five hours because you know, for an 80 year old, that's a lot to do. And I still have energy after work. I consider it a, a great success. Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature. For a limited time this summer, get $25 off your first order as a preferred customer, plus a free fruits and veggies travel set with free shipping and our money back guarantee. 
Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751 and get this special offer by using discount code KMC. Are you or a loved one battling cancer? Discover Oasis of Hope, an alternative treatment hospital where faith and medicine combine for effective healing. Listen to this testimonial from Michelle Tucker, a cancer victor. The third time I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it had spread to my pancreas, and my doctor had given me four weeks to live. I went to Oasis of Hope, and six years later, I am alive and well. Michelle's story is replicated hundreds of times over, including in the McCullough household. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I thoroughly endorse the Oasis of Hope, and I think you'll find the help that you're looking for. Call 888-500-4673 for a medical consultation and free magazine. Call 888-500-4673. That's 888-500-4673. Oasis of Hope does not guarantee specific outcomes or results. Hello, I'm Mike Vendell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest-growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night, and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. That's why I invented MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium MyPillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers. And get deep discounts on all my pillow products. That's MyPillow.com promo code. KMC. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I want to talk to you about immune systems. You know, that part of you that helps you fight off things like the common cold, which happens to be a coronavirus, COVID-19, RSV, other upper respiratory infections. Plus, maybe you feel, uh, I don't know, worn down or stressed out. Maybe you need help regulating blood pressure or insulin. Did you know that vitamin D3 does all of that? Vitamin D is not really a vitamin. It's a different type of substance. Your body actually helps make it when sunshine is exposed. But it also plays a very big role in your immune system. And if you have autoimmune dysfunction, it even helps you in that regard. Get your D3 all you need by taking BC Boost. Dr. Jeanette Nishwat's uh, little creation, BC Boost, it's combination of b12 vitamin c vitamin d and a little bit of zinc to help you stay immune positive that's bcboost.com bcboost.com obliterating confusion amplifying truth and pursuing clarity it's kevin mccullough radio Welcome back. Uh, if you have missed what we've discussed thus far, Nicole Parker is a former special agent for the FBI. She now comments uh, in the news and elsewhere on uh, things related to law enforcement, particularly as it is relating to the news of the day. And we're grateful for her perspective on all of that. Nicole, I want to get into why you left the agency. Um, 
your sense that you just mentioned in the last segment, you sensed that there was a shift in the mission, mission creep, I think is sometimes what they call it, um, when things begin to change, but not for the good in your, in, in your sense, in your estimation. And you felt like you needed to walk away. What happened? So, like I said, I was working, um, you know, the criminal matters of the FBI, but there started to be um, an increase in what we would view as politicization at the FBI. And it became very um, apparent to all of us during the summer of 2016, particularly July 5th of 2016, when then director Jim Comey went before the nation and said that no basic reasonable prosecutor to that effect would investigate or charge um Hillary Clinton, which we all thought was very interesting and odd because the FBI director's job, our job in the FBI is to gather evidence and to present it to prosecutors for evidence and to, I'm sorry, present the evidence to the prosecutor for prosecutorial decisions. And it seemed like he was almost making that prosecutorial decision. And we all thought that was a bit off, right? We're like, wait a second. If there's all this evidence, why is he making that call? Exactly. Um, Then it kind of launched into the Operation Crossfire Hurricane. And again, this is all involving people up in the D.C. area, people up on the seventh floor, people up in executive management. So those of us in the field that are on the ground ground level working violent crime or whatever your violation was, it, it didn't really affect you necessarily. Right. So you're like, that's happening out there. That's not me. I'm but it did make you scratch your head a little bit and say, is this oh, yeah. an agency that I went to work for? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And so over the years, it just kept amping up. And then we got a new director, right? Under President Trump, we got a new director. So we were all thinking, okay, well, this is a, a time of redemption. Like the new director is going to get things back on track. And unfortunately, it just didn't seem to be happening. In fact, it seemed that there was not a lot of leadership going on and things were just kind of continuing on a trajectory I just wasn't really comfortable with. And again, it's not about your political views. Your political views should be completely irrelevant when you're an FBI agent because you are tasked with investigating crimes, gathering evidence. And as they like to say, follow the evidence wherever it goes and buy the book. And it just seemed like, you know what? There are a lot of people not doing that. Like, how can you sit there and tell us that we're doing everything following the evidence and by the book? But there was this continuous pattern of Seeing that they're going, uh, you know, investigating and prosecuting those on one side of the political spectrum with such um, aggression and vigor. But yet on the other side of the political spectrum or social views, you almost get a pass. Like, don't worry about that. We're not focused on that. And, And there just seemed to be such a disparity between how different people were getting treated. And that is not the oath that I took. That is not upholding the Constitution equally and unbiasedly. That is not Lady Justice being blind. And it was difficult to ignore that. And it got very frustrating because I kept having to defend myself, even though I had nothing to do with it. Those in the Miami, you know, individuals that I was trying to recruit as sources, for example, they didn't even want to talk to me. They're like, I don't trust you. I don't trust the FBI. And I'd always have to say, look, I'm not a political agent. I, I have nothing to do with that. I'm just here to do my job. Wow. No one so it actually them. impeded your ability to do th- the very thing you signed up to do, which was to Correct. make the world a safer place. And, and I don't I I witnessed the terrorist attack on 9-11. OK, I came to serve this country and to protect individuals. And I had that opportunity to do that. I served with honor. I tried to be there for victims. I had a very victim centered approach. I wanted nothing to do with politics. I frankly, many people said, hey, you should go to headquarters. You should go, you should go to DC. We need people like you in DC. And frankly, I didn't want to go to DC because I felt like the biggest impact I could make was in the field. And I even would say, I, I don't know if I'd be willing to drink the Kool-Aid that's required to be at headquarters. I just, that's not my style. I just want to do the work. And frankly, 
the best agents I know were the ones on the ground level that were just in there working cases and investigations, but the politicization just became so loud. It was drowning out the work of those trying to focus on the real cases. And it, it, I just said, you know what? I think I can make a stronger impact for this country outside of the FBI. I think I can continue to serve and make a stronger impact outside the FBI. And so I walked away. Well, I don't think there's any, I I don't think there's any argument that certainly through, um, crossfire and through, you know, Russia collusion and, and, you know, some of the agents that were involved in general Flynn and, you know, there was just, there, there just seemed to be a lot of agency attachment to some of these things that once we found out the truth about them, the agency should have never had their hands involved with it, you know, and, and lying to the FISA courts and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's really where the reputation of this really important, uh, agency that that we've come to depend on in really really critical criminal matters uh, in the past l- loses its not just its shine but its ability to really have the trust of the people and I think that the FBI is only successful as the people are able to trust the agents. We're coming right back. So honored to have Nicole Parker with us tonight. Stay here. This July 4th, from Angel Studios, the force behind his only son and the chosen, comes an extraordinary true story of courage and redemption. Starring Jim Caviezel, the actor renowned for his unforgettable portrayal of Jesus and the Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the breathtaking true events of a dangerous mission to save young innocent lives. Sound of Freedom. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Go to angel.com slash freedom for tickets. Only in theaters July 4th. For those of you that know, we have been doing all that we can to help liberate human trafficking and human slaves uh, with Christian Solidarity International this year. It's our annual cause, and we have 192 names of women that need our assistance this year. Uh, women that have experienced some excruciating things. And I want to say thank you to those of you that have already called, 888-342-1010. We have helped liberate uh, more than a dozen now this year. I want to tell you the story of Ayak. Ayak uh, was born in northern Sudan. She was born into slavery. Her mother and father had been taken from South Sudan when they were just young kids. Uh, and she grew up as a slave's uh, child. She saw her mother regularly be beaten by her Arab slave master. Then there was the day that her father was told to go to the farm to work. But because of how sick he was, he physically couldn't walk. His master got so angry at him, he said, you dirty, dirty, dirty dog. If you don't go to the farm, you will die. He couldn't walk. So the Arab master shot my father dead right in front of me, says Ayak when she tells her story later. Uh, As she was growing up and getting a little bit older, that master sold her out to another master who raped her repeatedly, who forced her to uh, commit uh, genital mutilation on herself, and who told her that uh, she would not get to keep the children that she had from that slave master. Uh, She would do hard work every day, carry water, long distances, uh, clean clothing, clean things in the house, uh, take abuse from the Arab master's wife. She said, I have seen so many slaves in the area who face the same thing as me. She said, but then one day a retriever found me. I was walking to the well to fetch water. He asked me to leave and go with him. 
His name was Osman Bashir, and he had many men with him. They took me to his camp and brought me back to South Sudan. Friends, that's the story of an actual liberation of an actual slave. And that's the people that we help when you call 888-342-1010. There are 175 women that we know we can yet save this year. We just need your help. 888-342-1010. 888-342-1010. Help us liberate every slave right now. For $250, you not only affect their liberation, but you set them up with everything they need for a new life uh, in their home in South Sudan, uh, including grain, seed, utensils, uh, other things that they need to create uh, a life for themselves. And you do it when you call 888-342-1010. Or go to bringherhome.org. If it's happening in New York or across the globe, learn why it matters first on Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, final few minutes uh, in bonus coverage, actually, with Nicole Parker. Did not expect to uh, keep her this long, but so grateful that she is so passionate about uh, what is wrong with uh, what we've seen in the headlines in the last few years. And, Nicole, I was thinking during the commercial break, there was a laptop that a certain president's son uh, turned into a, a repair shop in Delaware that the agency had in its possession for more than a year before uh, a story broke in the New York Post about it. And then I think when the American people saw the roll-up on Mar-a-Lago last year, you know, I just think people shook their heads and went, what's going on here? Because you have on one side, as you said, selective enforcement of some things, and on other sides, just a complete ignoring of the facts. You've been very outspoken about the corruption that you you feel like is infecting the agency. Do you have solutions for people that would like to see the FBI reformed, or does it have to be kind of leveled to the ground and rebuilt from from the ground up? What's What's your take on that? You know, that's a very important question, and it's something that I think about every day. Um, I hear from employees, retired agents, and again, like I said, when you put your blood, sweat, and tears into something, you it really was like a family at the FBI. Like, you were like united. We are going to do great things for this country, and even that feeling has kind of dissolved a little bit. But my personal views um, and those that I'm close to that I've stayed in contact with Look, I was doing real work, okay? In all humility, I'm going to tell you, I was doing my best to to really serve the people and to protect them and to put victims first and things like that. And I, I work shoulder to shoulder with amazing task force officers and other agents. There are good people doing good work, and they are still there at the Bureau. They don't have the liberty to speak up. They don't have the platform necessarily. And frankly, they don't have the liberty. When you're employed, you can't say a word. Right. And they need their pensions, and I respect that. But I can tell you... From my perspective, and I respect all views, I understand there are people that want to abolish the FBI, but in a recent op-ed I wrote, I personally don't think that's the solution. Frankly, I think the FBI needs to have their feet held to the fire. No, we're not going to just let you just ruin this amazing institution. You need to shape up and we need to fix this. But frankly, I don't believe, my personal opinion and others, I don't think it changes under this administration. I think that we're talking major changes would have to happen in this country with new leadership starting at the top. And then I wouldn't say abolish it, but I think there definitely need to be some major transformations. I think Americans need to know that they can trust the Bureau, that there's transparency, um, changing the way that it's structured, changing the promotion process, the hiring process, 
um, you know, all diff- different sorts of things. The emphasis Let me ask on- a practical uh, side yeah. of that. Sure. If 9-11 moved the FBI from a law enforcement first mission to more of an intelligence gathering mission, would removing that plank from their mission be one of the kind of cornerstones of a reform that you would like to see happen? You know, that's a very important question, because as we're seeing a lot of the corruption, you're going to notice a pattern, right? It always seems to be on the intelligence side of the house, right? You're not typically seeing a lot of corruption coming out of the uh, criminal side, necessarily. A lot of it is stemming originally from my what might be determined as the intelligence side of the house. I do believe that intelligence is, is important for the FBI, intelligence gathering. But myself and others believe that there maybe should be, you know, there are other countries that run it very well. And they actually have a domestic intel agency and they have a criminal agency. And when they're needing to work together, they do. Um, I think that there are a lot of potential solutions. I think that's something that I'm actually working on. I have the opportunity right now to do some work with AFPI and giving some ideas. And so stay tuned. There's going to be a lot more that I hope comes forward. But to think that... I'm willing to just walk away from this. Um, there was a big story that came out this week about two agents in the Miami division that were shot and killed. Um, that Laura Schwarzenberger and Daniel Alfin were amazing, amazing special agents. Laura happened to be one of my very best friends. Mm. And I can tell you, there are people at the FBI doing real work that you never hear about. She paid the ultimate sacrifice. She gave her life. I will not allow this agency to have their reputation tarnished to the point that she, her family is no longer proud of her legacy necessarily. I'm not saying that they're not, of course they are always going to be proud, but they should be proud to say, Hey, yeah, my mom was an FBI agent and, and it should be honored and respected. And that's just not really what's happening right now. So I do think that there are changes that can take place, but I'm, I'm just being brutally honest. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take a lot of humility, admitting the mistakes, And I think that's part of the problem is a lot of people feel that the current leadership, until you can admit that there's mistakes, nothing's going to change. And they keep saying, hey, that politicization was under our predecessor. That was under the other director, not under me. It is ongoing right now. It's got to change. But um, I do want everyone to know that I am not one that believes in abolishing it. There is good work going on. You don't hear as much about it. There are solutions for this problem. It's going to take work. It's going to take dedication. But there are people that love this country, and I want it to be successful. I want the FBI to be successful. So let me propose and get your thoughts on a proposal. Um, My friend Katie McFarland, who um, served multiple presidents in the Pentagon in a civilian capacity, um, but is the equivalent of a civilian decorated four star. And she has spoken decisively publicly about an idea that if Trump or someone else is elected in 24, that what you do is you come in and the woke aspect of the military, you fire everybody that's a three and a four star. You just send them to early retirement or say thank you for your service and then you promote the two stars that were coming up under the trump administration before people that are not woke that are more focused on mission actuality etc is there a similar kind of path that the fbi could adopt maybe everyone on the seventh floor that is above a certain director level is gone and you bring in guys that have been field agents and have that kind of work ethic and the and the integrity of of what the the agency's always represented would something like that work as i'm hearing you talk about that those are some thoughts that i've definitely had i think that's absolutely true i think the fbi director frankly needs to be a former agent i think it needs to be someone who has had the gun had the badge had the credentials his you know, hit hit doors, as we call, done operations, been in the field, people that have not just been in the D.C. area their entire career. I think that there needs to be a rotation of individuals, people that are inside the beltway for their entire career. 
it, it I, I don't know what happens, but it just changes things. And we need fresh faces. We need fresh ideas. And I agree. I think the hiring process for the Bureau has changed drastically since I joined. You should be hired based on your qualifications and your credentials, period. Yeah. I do not want to be hired anywhere because I'm a woman. I want to be hired because <laughs> I am the most qualified candidate, period. And I think that the Bureau has focused so much on social issues, social justice issues. That's not why I came. Frankly, if I want to do that, maybe I can go work for a different corporation that that's our number one priority. But when you are entrusted to protect the American people, that when you go to to arrest someone, they're not going to care whether you're a female or what your religious or sexual preference is. They care that you are the most qualified. And I think yeah. that's a very important aspect of this aspect of transforming the FBI back to what it was as well. Nicole Parker, thank you for this generous use of time tonight. Thank you so much, and God bless everybody. You thank you. It. Kevin McCullough coming right back from New York. Don't go anywhere. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I ran this by my doctor. I always run it by her, everything I take, and I told her I've been taking this for a while. Is this, is this okay to take? She goes, oh, this is wonderful for you to take. Keep taking it. She goes, I approved this. This is very good. So she said, yes, she said, this is one thing you can take that's very good. I'm not going to stop taking Balance of Nature. Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. For a limited time this summer, get $25 off your first order as a preferred customer, plus a free fruits and veggies travel set with free shipping and our money back guarantee. That's 1-800-246-8751. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751 and get this special offer by using discount code KMC. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow... I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well rested in the morning. That's why I invented my pillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers. And get deep discounts on all my pillow products. That's MyPillow.com promo code. KMC. This July 4th, from Angel Studios, the force behind his only son and the chosen, comes an extraordinary true story of courage and redemption. Starring Jim Caviezel, the actor renowned for his unforgettable portrayal of Jesus and the Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the breathtaking true events of a dangerous mission to save young innocent lives. Sound of Freedom. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Go to angel.com slash freedom for tickets. Only in theaters July 4th. you need to know when you need it it's kevin mccullough radio all right kevin mccullough glad to have you with us and thank you to nicole parker for being with us today in the extended kind of format um 
I hope that that was insightful for you as to what uh, the real problems at the FBI look like and how, you know, with a little bit of accountability and some commitment to pursue truth and what's right, I think we can turn some things around. But uh, a very interesting, very interesting conversation. Thankful that Nicole spent the time with us that she did. And she was on the TV show last weekend. Going to tell you what's on this week's uh, That Kevin Show in just a minute. But I wanted you to hear this soundbite from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Take a listen. About the pay to play for the Bidens. We didn't know all of what transpired, but what do we know now? Now, having followed and pulled on the strings, we now know that the Biden family created 20 shell companies when Joe Biden became vice president. We know that the Biden family got 16 of the 17 payments from Romania while he was still vice president. The president told us he had nothing to do with the Biden family's workings. But now we found out to the partner just last week that, no, he literally called in. He had dinners. And after the dinners, the Biden family got a new Porsche. They got 3.5 million uh, wired to them. So Things seem to be happening here. We also found out where President Biden told us that his family got no money from China. We now know that, yes, they did get money from China. We now know that the FBI, from one of their most prominent informants, was warned that they were told a number of years ago that they had to bribe Joe Biden. So this is just raises a lot of questions. We now know that uh, Attorney General Garland has said one thing in the investigation of Biden, but the IRS whistleblowers say something else happened. So what we're trying to find is, who lied and what are all the truths that that is the that is the bottom line on on all of the biden business dealings that there's not been an honest telling of what is what and now because congress has been forced to delve into this um you know the receipts are coming out and it, the 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 truth is going to come out the the they james comer says now that with bank receipts matching transactions, matching identities of people, that upwards of 20 different family members of the Bidens, while he was vice president, got as much as $20 million while he was vice president. That doesn't count the stuff that's happened since then. Selling access to our secrets, to our people, to our government, that's, that's against the law. And it should be. Uh, we should not be for sale. Um, but they're they're going to get to that. Anyway, Kevin McCullough thanking you. Now, listen, uh, this week on that Kevin show, we've got a big one. Um, John Solomon of Just the News is going to break some news for us at the top of the show. We've got Elizabeth Pipko, supermodel, is going to be with us. Kelly Collette, comedian, is going to be with us. Weird Al Yankovic. Remember him? The, the guy who did all the spoofs? He's got a new one we're going to enjoy. And, of course, Assignment Desk Weekend. And then in the music spotlight, we've got Cody Asbury, who has written a couple of just heart wrenchers that I think are going to really um, impact you this weekend. Anyway, that's all 9 p.m. Eastern on Salem News Channel, which you can get on any app, any device, anywhere. Just go to SalemNewsChannel.com and download the one of your choice. Kevin McCullough, we will see you next time.